You are listening to Glass House, where storytelling and vulnerability collide into a beautiful piece of word art. We all have a story. Let's take time to listen. Treat people like people. So sit back, get cozy, and really listen to the hearts of the people around you. My name is Leanna Harrison. I am the host, producer, editor of this overly ambitious project, and I want to thank you for tuning in. This is Glass House. Get started. This particular podcast episode has taken me half a year to compile interviews and make. I think my fear was that I wouldn't do it justice. The story, this day, this event is so much bigger than the two stories I am sharing, but I will tie in facts and events from the day. I know you're anxious to find out what I'm talking about, so let me set the stage a little. The date is May 22nd, 2011, Sunday afternoon. To have severe weather is nothing new to this area, but you're keeping the weather channel on for background noise. A little girl is watching closely and sees pink on the radar. She asked her friend over the phone who is a weather geek, pink is bad. Her friend quickly replies, yes, pink is very bad. So she gets off the phone and tells her dad that they have to go. They arrive to the fast strip and reach safety in a beer cooler with two dozen other strangers. One of the women, whom is a spirit-filled woman by the name of Donna, who starts to hear the roars of wind and she yells, Heavenly Father, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. The recording is by Joplin's Isaac Duncan. And the video of that day in the beer cooler is the same one with Donna and the little girl who was talking to her friend on the phone. was collected by Isaac during the Joplin tornado. My next interview is with a colleague who was in the hospital during the tornado. So tell me what you remember about the day. It was just a regular Sunday 
afternoon, I was working like a 12-hour shift that day, and uh, was all uh, I was in chemistry, and I think Linda uh, was in hemo. Brent was in uh, chemistry with me. We heard the tornado alarm go off of the code gray called, and we all decided, uh, well, we're so used to that, so we really didn't pay any attention to to the alarm or the code gray. So um, I was looking at the computer at the time, and, and uh, I told everybody, don't worry, it's going to miss us. It's going to go to the north of us. And it was about a couple of seconds after that when our ears uh, uh, got plugged up or and the ceiling tiles jumped jumped up. And that's that's when we decided, uh, well, Brent, he said, run. <laughs> and uh, that's uh, when we all took off and got in the hallway and hunkered down in a corner. You know, it seemed like, ooh. And Joy, she was... She was by herself. She was uh, back in micro, and and uh, and she hid in uh, Tom's office. And uh, by the time it was over, uh, uh, there was just dust and all kinds of stuff in the in the hallways, and and glass on the floor. There was glass on the floor, and, and uh, so we spent the rest of the time giving patients. Uh, just a safe place, which uh, uh, down to uh, another building, and they seem to do uh, pretty good. Even walking on some of them walking on glass, and none of them were really complaining. They just wanted out of the building. Anyways, I uh, spent the rest of the evening hauling patients uh, away from the hospital, and then we several floors going back and forth up and trying to get patients that were on the floor down to a safe place and you couldn't hardly call out on your telephone because it was all being used and anyways uh, and Brent and, and Dakota we walked over to Freeman's because that's where everybody was at and uh, waited on Brent's wife to uh, come pick us up and she came and picked us up. I took him. Uh, so you didn't have a car? No, my car was gone. It was, uh, I didn't find it uh, until the next day. And where did you find it at? It was north of the hospital, underneath a, a whole pile of cars. I wasn't sure it was mine. <laughs> so, anyways, it, it, it was a, a really bad day for us. And, uh, uh, it pretty much changed our lives and anyway, it changed mine, our routine and everything. And we're just now getting, I'm really just now getting over it. It's been four or five years now and it's really been really difficult. And but things are getting better now and back to normal. So. so you said you stayed in the hallway, so you weren't in a room at all? Uh, no. Uh, we was in a hallway, hunkering down into a, a, a corner. Couldn't, we couldn't, uh, it was just a little offside off the hallway. It's, uh, we, the doors were locked, we couldn't get in there, so, but uh, it seemed to be a safe place, and everybody was just hunkered down. What was your first thought when you saw outside? 
couldn't believe it. Uh, you know, it was it was just the, all the houses were all gone, um, and the hospital was really tore up. Uh, it was just unbelievable. I've never ever seen anything like it. The houses didn't have any shape to them at all. They was just they was just broken boards and. I couldn't imagine how many people would have died in that because it, it just was total devastation. So introduce yourself, your name, and kind of how long you've been in the hospital setting. Renessa Machado, and I've been working in hospitals for 21 years. And you said that you were working on the day of the tornado. Can you tell me a little bit about that? I got called in the day of the tornado to McEwen Brooks, where they were bringing overflow from St. John's. They had refrigerator trucks lined up out in the parking lot. Um, we basically, it was one person after another on a gurney. It was really horrific. Like I told you before, I, uh, the, the eye injuries were the only thing that really got to me. Nobody closed their eyes for the injuries, and I had nightmares about that. Of course, they brought counselors in for everybody. I seen them for the, for the nightmares. There was just bodies everywhere, and, you know, we were, we were, what, 20 miles away? But there was, you know, Freeman was too full. We had people lined up in the hallways in wheelchairs with just things hanging out of their bodies, IV poles, just crazy, crazy stuff that I never thought I'd see. What is something positive you've seen as a result of this pain and suffering? The way the community works together now. They pulled together like I've never seen anything pulled together, I mean, any community pulled together especially co-workers of Mercy, or, well, Mercy in St. John's, because it was still St. John's at that point. But I've never seen a community get together like they did. And not just the community, the whole country mm-hmm. helped Joplin. I mean, they were here for us. They were here for, and everybody did anything that they needed to do. Every, I mean, people caught diseases helping other people. You know, it was, it was crazy. It was and I think that's real positive of what's come out of it. And then look what we get to work in. Yeah. You know, that's pretty cool. We're in a state-of-the-art hospital that we never would have been in probably before. Not here. Not. Yeah. You know. Right. And the opportunity to get to work in a place like this is pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. When you say ice boxes, are you talking just trucks of dead bodies or just because I know I've heard from people that at Freeman, they were just gurneys and truck truckfuls of dead bodies, and and so the death toll doesn't seem to reflect that of what people are saying, what they saw. And so I don't know if you could talk a little bit more about that in whatever way you see. They say that the death toll was 162 people, and I think I seen more than that myself. Honestly, I don't know where they came up with that number, but there was more than that. Yeah, and I've heard that from people. I've heard that from people. A lot more. And it was D&D Sexton refrigerator trucks. 
that they had lined up outside. And yeah, it was it was more. I don't know I don't know where they came up with that number at. <laughs> I really don't. There was more than 162 people. Yeah. I, I believe there there was. Is there anything that you want people to know about? Any story that sticks out just revolving around the tornado? Any um, any person that you remember? Any instance? I've heard people talk about the butterfly people helping them. I've heard a lot. Um, I've just heard a lot of beautiful stories, and I really want this podcast to reflect those stories. So I didn't know if you could just off the top of your head think of something. So yeah, My favorite story is um, going to be in my dentist, or not my dentist, I'm sorry, my eye doctor's book, Dr. Brothers. It was this lady that um, she went into her bathroom, and she got in the bathtub and pulled all the towels and everything over her, and she remembered at the last minute to get her purse. And she, she got her purse, and she set it next to the tub rather than inside the tub with her. And um, she went through the tornado, and she remembers hearing everything, and and you know, all the destruction she heard around her. And when it was all over with and she climbed out of her bathtub, she still had all of her towels around her and everything. And she got up and she realized, wow, her purse was even there. But, you know, everything was just destroyed except for the towels on her. And when she opened the bathroom door, she wasn't even on the same block. Her whole bathroom left her house. So that's that's one story that sticks out in my mind. And then I remember um, driving around that night or the next day and seeing no house nothing left of a house except the foundation and then the cabinets and or yeah cabinets in the kitchen were the only thing standing and the doors were open but there was no backside to them so you're just looking through cabinet doors that's that's kind of the stuff i remember there was one an air conditioner i just i mean these aren't positive things i guess the, the lady that survived the bathroom is but this is another one I remember seeing is the house was not hurt at all, but no house next to it on either side. But this house was fine except for the air conditioning unit was sitting in the front the, in the front room. It had went up and in through the ceiling. And it was but the house looked fine. <laughs> Just weird. It was really bizarre the things that happened. Yeah. That is crazy. <laughs> I feel like when I still drive, um, you see the trees are still twisted and you could, in the landscape, you still see the destruction. And, I mean, it's it's bittersweet and beautiful at the same time because the, the regrowth is still there, but they're still twisted at the core. And so, and like you said, the community coming together and just experiencing more, um, more of a community here than I have anywhere else. I lived in Dayton my whole life and it's a pretty close knit community and they come together but nothing like Joplin and so it wasn't like this before. Really? It's, it's amazing how much it's changed and and how much everybody embraces the fact that it's changed. I think it's great. Yeah. 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 Beauty from ashes for sure. Yeah, definitely. So, tell me more about the eye injuries. Okay. I don't know for sure why it was so weird to me but the therapist said that it was because the eyes were open that that's what I kept saying so um, I couldn't believe that they didn't close their eyes so whatever hit them in the in the eyes whatever was sticking out of their eyes they must have seen coming Ugh. and that is the part that 
just, yeah, it still gets to me. I mean, it gets to me bad. I don't, you know, and, and they were so freaked out, you know, we couldn't get stories from everybody, you know, about what had happened. But, I mean, there was things like a piece of um, two by four sticking out of an eye. And she was talking, you know, and so she was her eyes shock. were open. Oh, yeah. But her eyes, there was nothing, no injuries to any eyelids. <laughs> None that I seen, you know, and I was in ER for like 19 hours or something like that. I mean, no eyes were closed. None. I mean, like, I would be sitting in a closet or wherever in the fetal position with my eyes closed. You know what I mean? And these people all seen whatever, everything that hit them coming. Hopefully they don't remember it. But I think they've seen it. I don't think we have them anymore. We had special cards that I always kept in my um, on my dash, and we actually had to use them to get into the hospital. And um, they took them from us and um, just sent us where we needed to be. And, of course, we were in ER. But as, as lab people, we were in ER. But, uh, yeah, I was on my way to actually, with the chainsaws, to help people in Joplin when, because we had no phone service, so nobody could call. So I thought I was safe to go. And then um, our boss, Lisa, found out that she could Facebook us. Mm. And that's how she got a hold of us all. That was the only mode of communication for over 24 hours. <sighs> well, thank you for sharing, and I appreciate taking your time after working 12 hours <laughs> no to share. And uh, I have heard so many stories of heartbreak, loss, and shock. I have people who declined to be interviewed because of The scabs were still so raw, but I have seen what it has done to Joplin. I just moved here in June, and I already feel like I am at home. I went to a thrift store and met a woman with a horse farm who has since grown to be my friend. I took the girls to her house for a field trip. I meet people at Hobby Lobby constantly. I have conversations with people everywhere about everything. Maybe this is a southern thing as well. But it's so far removed from my previous home in Dayton, Ohio. People here are beautiful. I see the rebirth that has happened after the literal storm. I'm reminded of what's important when I hear these stories. A mile wide, the tornado was categorized as an F5 meaning it reached speeds of at least 200 miles per hour. I can hardly wrap my head around that. It lasted 38 minutes and traveled 22.1 miles. It destroyed one-third of the city's buildings and took the lives of 160 people. What I work for is a state-of-the-art hospital because the previous hospital was struck by the tornado and declared structurally unsafe. The hospital was moved four inches from its foundation. It has set the tone for what to do in the hospital during a code gray. It's now mandatory to put socks on patients so that they don't have to walk through glass. 
something that was never thought of previously. I love this town, and I hope through these stories, through these accounts, you have more of an appreciation for your life and for the lives of those around you, because that's what it's all about. Thank you for listening to Glass House. I want to extend a thank you to my husband for always supporting me and being my first listener. To Josh Evans, because I didn't thank you the last time. <laughs> to the artists featured in this podcast. Ein Bloom with Selah. Tomo Nakayama with Horses. And Will Reagan in the United Pursuit with Song to Sing. I suggest you all go out and buy their albums. Until next time, friends. Goodbye.